One of college basketball's biggest early season surprises has been the performance of the Portland Pilots, specifically during the Phil Knight Invitational. Joining me today to talk about UP's win over Villanova and what it's like to coach against Tom Izzo is Pilots coach Shantae Leggins. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Andy Patton. Thrilled to be joined today by Shantae Leggins, the coach of one of college basketball's most impressive teams over Feast Week, the Portland Pilots. Portland hung very close with then number one North Carolina in the Phil Knight opener. Defeated Villanova, came within one point of knocking off Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans. Coach, I would just love to hear your thoughts before we get into anything else on how your team performed during the Phil Knight Invitational. I thought we, I thought we were solid. You know, I thought we played, uh, uh, I thought we were playing a good level of basketball. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like I told my guys, you sometimes play your play a good game and lose. And yeah. I thought we did that. Uh, you know, um, especially against North Carolina, I thought we played a good game. Didn't need to play great to win, but I thought we needed to play good. We did, mm-hmm. and a couple plays, uh, a couple whistles here and there, yeah. it changed the tide of the game. And so, yeah. um, you know, for us or against us, and so. Um, that was tough. And then being able to bounce back and, and play a good game against Villanova. And then mm-hmm. after those two games, being able to come back and get a, get a nice lead against uh, Michigan State, play well enough to mm-hmm. win the game. Um, we, get, we, we drop a play to get the last second shot. We get a great shot and mm-hmm. we just come up a little bit short on the shot we wanted from our be- one of our best players. And so yeah. when uh, you're able to do that and perform and execute, uh, you like your ways moving forward. Now, I, I would love us to, to win those games, disappointed mm-hmm. that our record – wasn't where it needed to be, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's teaching moments for us. You know, we, we're playing against teams of that caliber in our league. So we got to get prepared for games like that. And I don't know if a lot of teams uh, will have, will have games like that, like we did. And so mm-hmm. we got to stay, you know, stay fit and be ready for it. But I, I thought all in all, the execution of our team this week, it was pretty good. Well, you, you touched on kind of what I wanted to talk about next, which is something that Basically, every coach that I heard in post-game press conferences at Phil Knight always talked about the same things. Mark Few talked about it. Izzo talked about it. Sean Miller, Xavier talked about it. Playing this many games in a back-to-back succession is, I mean, it's its the closest you can get to emulating what actually happens in the NCAA tournament. And I know, specifically speaking for Gonzaga, they love playing in these kind of tournaments because it's the best opportunity to get multiple really high-end opponents on back-to-back days. And yeah. I wonder for for your squad uh, what it was like to be able to come into this tournament and know like, hey, we're going to play some really good teams and we're going to play them in quick succession. I, you know, you, you don't know what teams you're going to play. You guys obviously got an incredible draw to get to play three really premier programs yeah. in this event. How do you prepare your team for this kind of event, these kind of games, uh, and this kind of moment? Well, you just, you just let them know you, you have a great opportunity. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you have a chance to go play against the best teams in the country. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get to play these teams on the West Coast, and, you know, it's great. You get to play against the Oregons. You get to play against, like, you know, mm-hmm. say the Gonzaga's and different things like that. But sure. having an opportunity to play North Carolina, mm-hmm. you know, Michigan State and, and Villanova, you know, those kind of schools, those are blue bloods. Those are schools yep. that you watch on TV a lot. And so those are the opportunities you get. And so when you have opportunity, you got you to gotta play and, and fight for them. And so – you know, I think we had a good showing, uh, but, you know, it's it's something that, yeah, it, it gets you ready for the tournament, it gets you ready for postseason play. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you could always come back to this when, when we're in March and we're getting ready to play, you know, whoever we play in our conference tournament and trying right. to get to the NCAA. I mean, that's how it's going to be. And so when you have an opportunity like this, it's, it's fun for – it's a lot of fun for the for the team. Yeah. You know, they get to play against the best players, and I, I want that for them. And, we, you know, we're always up for it. I'd always be – you know, I'd love to do it every year if we could. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things too, that you talk about, like the, the North Carolina game that Moses Wood had apparently a tiny, tiny bit of his foot out of bounds and sucked the air out of the end of that game was, you know, a, a tough way for that game to end when yeah. uh, it had been. I mean, it, I think it was a, a six point game or a seven point game and ultimately felt like it was even closer than that for most of the yeah. contest to bounce back and go beat a Villanova team. Yeah, they have some injuries, et cetera. But to go win that game. After like, how do you you know how do you get your guys to to kind of focus from what was I'm assuming a pretty devastating loss or a, a, a tough loss to swallow to come around and turn around and beat a team like Villanova? How do you kind of get those guys ready to come into that game? Because your team shot the absolute lights out in that game against yeah. Villanova. How, how how are they prepared for a game like that? Well, it was our you know every game I talked to them about it's the, it's the most important game of the season because mm-hmm. it is you know, you only get thirty one of them right right sure. you guaranteed thirty one and mm-hmm. you never know what could happen and even even with some games being canceled this year it's it's, it's uh, mm-hmm. you got to take every game and cherish every yep. game and give it your best and so you know our, our point guard Mike he actually you know he he wasn't playing he's been out right. for the last couple of games so he he had a great talk with the team you know um, mm-hmm. and got them motivated got them ready to go and so you know not having your starting point guard is going into games like that's tough and so mm-hmm. but he did a great job of leading from the side and and the guys all focused up and got ready to go I mean at the end of the day when that ball goes up in the air it's all the players you know yeah. I, it, everything goes out the door do they believe <laughs> the preparation that we put in do they believe the work that they put in all summer and, and fall is, is was really worth something and, and, and it shows because they came out there and well I mean we shot I think 42 percent from three in the tournament yeah. we you know, we we assisted on seventy two percent of our our baskets, and so, you know, some of those things are great. We didn't rebound like we wanted to, but we could bounce back and figure that part out. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our defensive coverages slipped a little bit in big moments. So, you know, in certain situations, you, you get these guys prepared, and then you just hope that, you know, they believe in everything they've done and we've done to, to get to the point. And so, I think we've done a good job with them. We just needed to come up just a couple more plays, and I think we would have won some games. Well, it's funny you mentioned when the ball goes up, it's all about the players. And I was basically going to say that, but one of the other questions that I really did want to ask you, just for you individually getting the opportunity to coach against, in particular, Tom Izzo, you know, future Hall of Fame coach, yeah. one of the all-time greats. Uh, also, you know, Hubert Davis, Kyle Neptune, maybe mm-hmm. not as, as iconic as Roy Williams and Jay Wright, but still very incredibly successful coaches. Just yeah. for you, what is it like to get a chance to kind of be right on the sidelines next to those guys, coaching against them, kind of seeing the adjustments that they make. Is it just like a, a different experience getting to go against like those kind yeah. of caliber? I mean, coach? Every every game is, you know, you, you try to, you know, you, you know, it's you try to outweigh it. You try to there's yeah. only like a certain handful of things throughout a game that you know you can really dictate and do different things, sure. and what you're going to do foul wise, you know, who we're going to go after, you know, those types of things. Those are mm-hmm. those are some of the things you get to see, and so like. You know, I grew up on Tom Izzo. You know, I watched his teams play. My mom was a big fan of his yeah. um, growing up, you know. you know, So we, we were able to, you know, I was able to watch him and, and focus in on what what they like to do and different things. They're a very tough team. And mm-hmm. and you learn some stuff from each team you play against. You know, we took a couple plays away from Michigan State. I mean, from yeah. uh, North Carolina that I really liked for, for Moses and I liked mm-hmm. for our big guys. And so – you watch coaches, you know, sometimes you study different coaches and, and what they do and, and how they got to different places. But 
Tom Izzo's the guy who's won a national championship. He's coached first-round draft picks. He's mm-hmm. coached Hall of Famers. He's, he's yeah. coached, you know, everything. He's done it all. And so mm-hmm. um, to be able to coach against him and, and say, hey, you know, we, we came all the way down to the very, very end. And, yeah. and uh, here, you know, he, you know, try to pull one out against him is pretty good. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame guy. He's going to go, mm-hmm. you know, down as one of the best coaches ever to coach basketball. So having an opportunity to coach against those guys and his team was awesome. Well, the WCC is no longer just Gonzaga and the rest, and Leggins tells us why he thinks Santa Clara absolutely should have been an NCAA tournament team last year and what goes into preparing for league games against Gonzaga and St. Mary's. But before we get there, let's talk about Omaha Steaks. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is an American original butcher since 1917 and a holiday gift that's guaranteed to be loved. My grandma, or my wife's grandma, I should say, started giving us Omaha Steaks a couple years ago. I was not super enthusiastic about it, but it has been a wonderful treat every single year. Stocks the fridge for months at a time. Go to omahasteaks.com now and use code LOCKEDON at checkout, and you will get $30 off your order. Send an assortment of mouthwatering favorites guaranteed to impress, like the legendary Butcher's Cut Filet Mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and even easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com, use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Coach, when you took over before last season, you basically had an entirely new roster. <coughs> you were bringing over some guys that you had coached at Eastern Washington. Uh, you added some transfers, Moses being being among those guys. Uh, and then coming into this season, completely different summer, completely different situation for your yep. team. You basically returned not, not quite everybody, but a huge chunk of guys, added some new contributors as well. Uh, what was it like in terms of just the summer getting to prepare, knowing that, hey, the, these guys have mostly played with each other. It's not this situation of, hey, I'm just trying to put together a roster and get enough guys in. Like how how different was the preparation coming into this season as opposed to last season? And how much do you think that's helped your team early on this year? Well, I think we do a very good job um, here of, of developing players and getting them better. And so what we did this summer was we actually had time with them, you know, spring and summer and, and even fall to, to work with these guys, to work on different things, to, to figure out what works for them, what works what works for us, how it'll work for them, but also, you know, work on their confidence, you know, getting them in the gym. They, I mean, if you're in the gym, you're going to be a good player. And so, you know, I think that that had a lot to do with it. And then them being able to see how, you know, we like to do things in the summer and, and be able to work on your game and get better. I mean, you know, Big V, our big center, didn't go home all summer. He got bigger and stronger. <laughs> Um, a lot of guys stayed around and worked out and, and did everything they possibly could. So they got to see the work ethic um, that we like to put in. And, and that's how you start building a culture and a program. Last, last year, we didn't have a summer with our guys. Mm-hmm. You know, our last couple guys started getting here in August. You know, And so, um, so it, it puts a little hamper on things uh, last year. But this year, we were able to, to do some different things. Obviously, we had some injuries, and, and some guys couldn't play this year, and, and some guys weren't able to do the summer. But – Mm-hmm. Having that time with them, um, getting to know them, um, not just about basketball, but just hanging out at the house and, mm-hmm. you know, going, going paintball, you know, going on paintball deals and yeah. you know, watching basketball games. But, you know, all those types of things that you didn't get to do the year before, the bonding part of it, you know, where it's not 
all made up and you have to be forced to do something that you don't want to do. It's all, you know, organic. And so I think a lot of the time that's when the team gets close is that summertime because no one else is on campus really. It's just them and maybe one other team and uh, other students aren't here. So they could really work on their game, concentrate on certain things, but also get to know each other um, and spend time with each other. I think that's a big deal for me. Absolutely. Coach, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, too, that, again, you touched on a little bit earlier in the show about Mike Meadows. He's only played four games. We haven't seen Chris Austin yet. I think looking at the success of, of, of the really close games in Phil Knight and, and heading into the WCC season, how important is it going to be to get those two guys kind of acclimated back into the into the rotation, kind of going forward with your team? And, and how much of a confidence boost is it to see even without those guys, we saw you know, other players step up, have some successful run, uh, depth guys who who maybe wouldn't have played had those guys been healthy. How important is it to see that happen, and how exciting are you? Uh, is it to have these guys coming back going into the season? Well, we're very excited to have you know, Mike. I don't know if uh, Chris will be coming back this year. He might have to yeah. redshirt um, just because we want him to come back at a hundred percent. But uh, Mike, Mike should be back in the game. Maybe next game he'll be mm-hmm. playing. So. Being able to do certain things um, and being able to play the way we can play, you know, it's always the next man up for me. You know, you you have to be ready to go. Like, we have 11 guys, I believe, that can get in the game and contribute. Last night, Wyatt Lowell, who didn't play the the prior three games, Mm -hmm. had 20 points, you know. And so when you're able to get contributions from different players when they need to step up, that's that's the kind of team you want to have. But, you know, it's also a fine line because you got guys who want to play and and sometimes they're not getting the minutes they want. And – you got to have make sure they're buying into what you're selling because, you know, sometimes, you know, players want to play. At the end of the day, they can have this, that, or the other, but they're looking at, they're looking around. Mike's not playing. I got an opportunity. I'm going to go play my tail off. And, mm-hmm. and it is what it is. Now it gives us some added depth. And that's something you want as a coach. You want to be able to say, you know what? If you're not playing up to the, the, the standard that you're supposed to be playing at, we could always, you know, get somebody else in here and, and to work hard and, and get mm-hmm. you ready or get you, you know, back centered and get you going. So, Having multiple players in different positions um, really help us. And, and so looking over to the sideline and seeing Chris Austin won't be here, but having, mm-hmm. you know, Alden Applewhite step up and, yep. you know, Mike missing out and having Juanze Garcito, you know, step up and make some big shots. And, you know, we have a kid that's, you know, didn't get a waiver this year, who's Vukashin, who also would be getting good minutes right now mm-hmm. at that guard spot. Looking over there, you have three guys that aren't playing that have an opportunity to maybe start on this team and play big minutes. And so – Seeing that, you know, it lets us know the future is bright, but also the future could be right now, and, and it mm-hmm. is right now. And so we got to make sure we, we, we keep working on ourselves, get better crumbs. We say crumbs. We want to mm-hmm. get better day by day, keep eating crumbs, man, and keep getting better. And so guys look at that, and, and guys know that in our program, if you're playing well, you're going to play. You want to, you know, it's no promises here to anybody. Mm-hmm. You come here, you work hard, and you play. And that's, that's one thing I think our team understands. The WCC has long been dominated by Gonzaga and St. Mary's obviously have both had just a tremendous amount of success uh, over the last decade. Uh, But the last few years, we've really seen a lot of other programs step up in a significant way. Of course, BYU has been a part of that conversation. They won't be a part of the conversation going forward, at least not in the WCC. San Francisco making the NCAA tournament for the first time in 20 years. Santa Clara has put together some really promising programs. Now, of course, Portland Pilots uh, on a very positive trajectory the last couple of years. I'm curious your thought on just the trajectory of the conference as a whole. Uh, So much of the national conversation around the WCC has been about 
Gonzaga's dominance and, and that there's not a lot of teams competing against them. We're seeing that that is definitely changing, not just with St. Mary's, but with some of these other programs as well. Uh, so how are you feeling about just getting to be in this conference, seeing the caliber of opponent that has continued to kind of rise in the last couple of years? I think it's awesome. You know, I yeah. think uh, you take a team like just say ourselves and, and mm-hmm. you, you, you have to go and play against some of the best teams, not just in our conference, but in the country. Mm-hmm. St. Mm-hmm. Mary's and Gonzaga is right up there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, being able to do that and look around and you see, you see conferences like you see Kansas dominate the Big 12. They've been mm-hmm. playing, they're playing, they're, they're winning the league every single year, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you look at our conference and, you know, it's a, it's a true basketball conference. Yep. And we have really good teams in this conference and we go out and, and they prove it every year. You know, we, Santa Clara, I thought last year should have been an NCAA yep. tournament. They should have been. I mean, you know, you look at different clubs and and, and and things like that, and and you see, oh, they got they had some injuries, right? But mm-hmm. they they were playing without their best one of their probably the best big man, you know, yeah. besides Timmy, yeah, um, in the league. And so once they got him back, they they lost like two games. So <laughs> you know, the, the benefit of the doubt should have went to this conference, and so mm-hmm. we should have got four teams in last year. Um, mm-hmm. This year, you see, you see that you see that you know you got Gonzaga up there, um, mm-hmm. you see that you got St. Mary's. They're playing great basketball. You, you see San Francisco's going out on, and winning some big games. And Pepperdine goes and beats two two Power 5 teams in their tournament and win, mm-hmm. win, win it, bring home a championship. Yeah. You see San Diego with Coach Lavin winning some big games and, and winning games in overtime and doing different things like that. So when you're looking at our conference, you know, we have a basketball conference. I think it's one of the best in the, in, in the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we play a different style of basketball than a lot of other teams. So when we do play teams – you know, you surprise them and you beat them. And, yeah. you know, I, I think after teams play teams in our conference, they walk away saying that's a good team and, mm-hmm. you know, they're very hard to beat. And so, you know, I, I love playing in a conference like this because it really makes your team play great every game and, and it gets you prepared for whatever happens. If you go to the tournament, I think it gets you prepared for things like that. Um, it gets you prepared for postseason play. And so playing against these teams and playing against these coaches, I mean, there's coaches up and down this deal that, I mean, Mark Fuse probably going to end up being the highest, you know, winning percentage coach of all time. Yeah. You know, the only thing he's, he's looking for is a national championship. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people could say and try to take shots at our, at our, at our mm-hmm. conference all the time, but mm-hmm. it's funny. We're always there. You know, we're yeah. always doing some, Oh, well, same man. Well, same Mary's blew some teams out last year in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you look at that and it's, it's, you know, it, it comes down to who you play in those things, um, a little bit of luck and, and, and that's mm-hmm. how teams go and, and make runs. Absolutely. I, whenever I get an opportunity to remind people that Santa Clara absolutely smoked TCU last year, I like to Oh, do it's that. unbelievable. It's like a 20-point victory. It's unbelievable. We played some teams at a conference that, that's mm-hmm. supposed to be big-time teams last year, and, and Santa, Santa Clara is better than all of them. You yeah. Know? yeah. And when you have to go through injuries, and then, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. you want to lose some games in our league. We have a good league. Like, mm-hmm. there's no like there's, there's no days off. There's no nights off. You have, you have to play somebody every game, and you know, the travels kind of, you know, you go from one place to another and mm-hmm. you're going to lose some games, you know, and that's, that's part of it. And so like, are you going to punish a team like Santa Clara for losing to Gonzaga? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make too much sense. Gonzaga beat everybody last year. And so mm-hmm. like, well, we had, we had five losses in the league. Like, okay, well we mm-hmm. lost to Gonzaga twice. We lost to St. Mary's and then we lost to San Francisco. Those right. are all tournament teams. And so yeah. when you look at that, it's like, okay, so how are you going to punish that team, but bring a team in from another conference that, isn't as good as that team. And that's, that's right. where, you know, um, that's why it's important that you, you handle your business in this preseason and, mm-hmm. and uh, you got great basketball minds in, in that room at the end of the year. 
You mentioned the the play styles in the WCC, and that's something I'm always fascinated when talking to coaches in the conference, because at least at the very top, you have two teams that have polar opposite in terms of how they play Gonzaga, really up-tempo, you know, getting out, running, uh, scoring a lot of points type of offense. St. Mary's plays borderline exact opposite, uh, slow pace, methodical, efficient, try to hold teams under 50. And there's many other, you know, San Francisco, at least under Golden, and still under Coach Gerlifson are very folk, like analytics focused. Like there's a lot yeah. of different kind of strategies and styles. And then you add in coaches like Lorenzo Romar, Steve Lavin, who've been doing this for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. What is it like to, to have to kind of, it feels like you're not playing a lot of teams with super similar strategies because it kind of impact how you have to go into each and every game as a coach. Yeah. You know, it, it really does. It makes you, uh, it makes you start to think of different ways to beat teams. And, and like mm-hmm. I tell our guys, we only have to win that one game that day. So we, yeah. how do we, how do we do that? How do we win one game? That's everything mm-hmm. is focused to win that game on Thursday or that game on Saturday. And so you go into each game and it, it's, it's, it's going to be a different one every time. There's not a team where you play and you go, okay, you got, I mean, you could you could legit play Pepperdine and come back and play Gonzaga. I mean, yeah. those are two different styles. You can play, yeah. you can go down and play St. Mary's and then flip around and and, and play a you know a high tempo game with a lot mm-hmm. of possessions and go play you know mm-hmm. Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga is one of the highest teams, quickest possession teams in the in the in the in the country. And, and yeah. you flip around just like you said. I mean, you said it best. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you really got to figure out and, and 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 you have to stick to what you do. You know. The, best and and uh you know where wherever the cards may lie that's where i think you need to figure out but it is hard going each to each game it's, it's every game is different well recruiting remains one of the most difficult and critical aspects of any coach's job but it's even more challenging now in the so-called transfer portal era hear how shante leggins built a roster via the portal and how continuity helped keep that team together into year two but before we do that let's talk about built bar For anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories. 130 calories, that's it. Just sink your teeth into that first bite and it'll change your life forever. I am not kidding. There will be a time before you try these new Built flavors and the magical, wonderful time afterwards. Built Now has five new holiday flavors to choose from. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate, peppermint granola, and candy cane brownie. You're probably wondering which was which new flavor is my favorite. An unanswerable question to say the least. They are all unbelievable. And they're all different, so you can order a mixed box and try all five flavors yourself. You gotta try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code locked locked on 15 at built.com. That's locked on 15 at built.com to get 15% off your order at Built Bar. Well, so we're about a year now into what uh, I guess we're going to call the transfer transfer portal era. Um, it's obviously made a huge impact on just college basketball in general. Clearly, it has been a, a <coughs> part of Portland's story as well in the last year with uh, transfers from Eastern and also, of course, you know, players like Moses Wood and other players who've transferred from different schools. Uh, we also had a conversation earlier in the show about how important continuity has been for your team this year. I'm curious, your just thoughts in general, obviously 1,500, 1,600 players in the transfer portal have to suspect that that is probably not sustainable going forward. Uh, but what did you just kind of think about how this process has gone now that you've kind of seen it develop for at least a full year in, in these new rules? Well, I, I think, you know, it gives the student athletes some power mm-hmm. um, and, and not power, but, you know, actually, yeah, it gives us some mm-hmm. power over, 
you know, what they want to do with their career, you know, and, yeah. and, and a lot of guys, you know, go into it with, you know, well, I'm going to go do this and I want to do this. And I, if I don't get this and, and yeah. the, the truth of the matter is, you know, it's really hard to go to places that, mm-hmm. that are, are, are good programs and play right away. It, it, yeah. I mean, it is. And so, um, you know, you have to have, you know, when you're looking at the transfer portal, um, you know, kids are just jumping in sometimes just to jump in and, yeah. and, and not really giving it a full look. And so mm-hmm. I think the transfer portal is good, you know, for high majors, for us, for low yeah. majors. I think it, it gives guys opportunities to go find guys that, you know, fit and suit them, you mm-hmm. know. And so it's good for coaches. It's good for players. But, you know, at the same time, it could also have a negative effect. Yeah. You know, I think some players are still in the portal from when it first started. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they jump in there and they don't get what they're, they, they were told they were going to get. Yeah. And coaches go and get players that they're enamored with. They're so excited to have. I got this 6'10 guy that can dribble, shoot, and do all this. Yeah. Well, he's in the portal for a reason, you know. <laughs> and so now you're grabbing guys um, that, that don't fit, you know, your style, your culture. You know, mm-hmm. you, you never know what you're going to get unless you do your homework. And so it's just like everything else. And, you know, it, it, it can be used to an advantage for players and, and coaches, but it could also, you know, be a disadvantage for players and coaches. And so yeah. – you know, for me, it's it's like you, you don't want to go get your team, you know, your full team out of the transfer portal because that's that's going to be tough because you just yeah. you're not going to hit on all of them, you know. And, right. and, and same with the players, they're not going to hit on the school they think that you know they're getting mm-hmm. in there for. And yeah, and uh, there's just so many things that can happen. And so when you have some continuity and you bring a transfer in and you bring two of them in and mm-hmm. you've got some guys that have been there before, that those players also help with that, you know, with the smoothing over, with the the adjustment period, with the transition with the transition period for these guys. And so when you're able to do that, when you're able to have guys that are, you know, been in your program, know what you know who you are, know how you act, yep. you know, going to put you in different positions, um, or going to help you in certain situations, you know, when you have those that continuity, like you said, that's when I think the transfer portal can help. But when you're trying to go get six, seven guys mm-hmm. out of that portal and, and build that way, that's tough. You know, some yeah, guys yeah. can do it. It'd be really hard for me. Um, to, to do that, I, I mean, you got to know yourself, and so yeah, the transfer portal is great. You got to use it for what it is. Moses Wood, we got Moses. He was averaging like four points at, at mm-hmm. UNLV. Didn't average that at Tulane. Then he came here and averaged fifteen. Yeah, Chris Austin, we went and found I, again. Chris Austin's a kid I recruited out of high school. Mm-hmm. He's averaging ten points. Ended up averaging sixteen for me last year. And so yeah. I knew Tyler. I knew Jack mm-hmm. Perry. I knew I knew uh, Mike Meadows. So those right. are five guys there. And then you know we took a we took a swing at Christian and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he got here and mm-hmm. and uh, great kid, unbelievable kid, and, and mm-hmm. ended up working out. Took him some time to figure things out, but mm-hmm. he's a six eight and a half guy that shoots forty percent from three and is, is an unbelievable athlete. So um, it, it sometimes works out, and it worked out for us with with our transfer so far. And mm-hmm. and uh, I think you know having that continuity is a big deal when you go and get these young men. How does how has the transfer portal kind of shifted the way that I mean obviously roster construction is different now but in terms of like the priorities regarding high school recruiting and maybe junior college recruiting and even international recruiting like those are all things that before were kind of <clears throat> primary ways that coaches built rosters yeah. and and transfers was and not necessarily an afterthought but much more rare because they were sitting out and there wasn't as many of them and now because it's much easier to acquire talent that has already played at the division one level and, or, you know, you have a, a better sense of who they are and, yeah. you know, what kind of player they can be. How does that shift the high school, junior college, international kind of recruiting timeline for, for your staff as you're looking to build rosters going forward? Well, for us, like right now, 
we only have two seniors, mm -hmm. you know, and if those two seniors, those two seniors are going to low, everyone else is juniors. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, those juniors could be their code. They're, you know, got some older juniors that can yeah. you know, graduate, work on their masters. And so mm -hmm. it really puts you in a bind because yeah. you, you want to go out and recruit high school kids. I love high school kids. I want yeah. to recruit high school kids. I want to build through high school kids. Sure. I want to redshirt high school kids. I want them to be, but at the same time, you put all that work in, mm -hmm. right? And say you you go and get kid that you know you're his only scholarship, right? You know, him and his brother, you're the only scholarship, and then you bring them there and you work on them, work on them, and then you know they end up going to Oklahoma, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm just messing around, but no, I mean you want to go and get kids that fit your system, and so like you know this transfer portal is great again, like I said, but you you still got to keep your connections because. I got a great high school kid right now named Wanze coming from Argentina. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I think he's going to be really good, you know, and then Alden Applewhite, you know, he was already in college, but he didn't get the opportunity to play. He played, he played seven minutes in two games and was hurt. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, you go and get some kids that you, you really like and, mm -hmm. but you, you, you want to build through younger kids because, you know, what I want a three-year guy in my program with the retro year, he's a sophomore going into his junior year that's been with us or go get a transfer kid that averaged six points a game Mm -hmm. In a different program that doesn't know me, but he's a talented player, um, doesn't know how we do things. Do you want what, what, mm -hmm. which would which would be better, you know? Right. Um, and so you want to you want to build your team up from high school kids and and kids that you've recruited, but you also have to look at the portal. And so for us, you know, we recruit nothing but relationships. You know, it, it's there's so many kids out there, and and that's why you know you get assistant coaches that have great networks, and you know I got young assistant coaches that that, you know, know a lot of people and, and I've, I've gotten to know people as I've grown up. So you recruit relationships. Um, it's really hard now to see a kid and be like, I like that kid a lot and have mm -hmm. no connection to him to go recruit him and get him. Yeah. Uh, because that kid has his AU coach, his mm -hmm. workout guy, his, yep. his barber. All, everyone has somebody now that can help him, help him get to school. And they all have an ear of an of a assistant coach or a head coach because that's, that's the job is relationships and different deals like that. And so... You know, it's really hard to, you know, cold, cold see a guy and be like, I want that guy and go get him. Unless you're one of these, you know, top 25 programs that can walk in the door and say, come play for me. And everything you, you've done recruiting the kid goes right out the window and he goes and plays for them, mm -hmm. which you can't, you can't, you know, be upset about. But that's just the way it works. And so we really work hard on relationships, um, finding the right guys, character guys, guys that I believe that can help our program grow on the court and off the court. And so when you're able to have certain certain guys on your team, you want talent, but you also want guys that fit with the other teammates. And so um, that portal uh, can get tricky sometimes. You yep. know, uh, you, you're in the portal, you're a high major guy, you, you want to go down to a program that you're going to be the man. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that doesn't happen. And now is he a disgruntled, really talented guy on the end of your bench messing everything up? <laughs> you know, it, it's just really hard. And so right. or you're going to have to bend over backwards to make that guy feel better, you know, and, and, and figure out, you know, tiptoe around the, 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 you're just not as good as these other guys. I, it's just hard. And so mm -hmm. you want guys that have been around you. So you, I want to recruit high school kids. I want to recruit kids that, you know, um, we have relationships with and then go from there. And now don't get me wrong. The transfer portal has been great to us. You know, yeah. our big guy is, is a starter. He's, mm -hmm. now he's a, he's a guy that we didn't know. We, we watched mm -hmm. him and we were like, that'd be perfect if we can get him. And luckily mm -hmm. we got him. Yeah. And so um, when you're able to do that, it's great. But the, the, the portal, you know, every, if you, if you, after the season, I really want you to look at this. This is, mm -hmm. so this is funny. Cause I, I did this last year after the season, whenever there's a, a big time transfer guy in that portal, 
Mm-hmm. The same 15 schools are on them. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's, it's the same 15. Yep. And it's pointless to even call those teams. You know, call the kid. Yeah. You know, and uh, but it's the same 15 schools. Oh, well, that's cool. That's cool. That it's the same mm-hmm. ones. It doesn't. Yep. It's it, and you see who's in the portal. You see who, how they're working it. You see who they're going to get it, and then it becomes you know who's who's going to get who. Right. Final question of the show, Coach, that I wanted to ask you: uh, the all-time NCAA record for triple doubles is also the WCC record for triple doubles set by Kyle Collinsworth at BYU. Tyler Robertson, you got a shot at this record. He has come so close. He put together a triple-double against Multnomah, has come very close in multiple other games. Really, really strong start to the season for him. Uh, I'm curious if you're expecting or thinking of any more triple-doubles for him uh, as the year goes on. With him, man, it's it's always it's just organic how he does it. You know, yeah. um, he, he does everything. He plays the one through the five for us, and so – you know, he the way he plays and the way he does things, it really, you know, can really help our – it helps our team, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he has 12 points last night, and, mm-hmm. you know, he has a career-high 12 assists, and he yeah. gets 11 rebounds, and it's just like, you know, didn't even know. Didn't even didn't even factor in my mind until I saw him <laughs> up there with nine rebounds. Yeah. And, you know, getting ready to sub him out. And I'm like, oh, let's see if he gets one in this possession and he gets a rebound. And so <laughs> um, it's one of those deals where uh, – you know he's 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 always flirting with it just the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out, I, you know, he may set out to go get him. I don't know. I don't think he does because there's some games he, you know, he only has two points, and there's some yeah. games he shoots 18 shots, and some games he shoots six. You know, it's just mm-hmm. he's the ultimate team guy. You know, we don't, you know, we're not going to be on our team saying, hey, this guy's going to get 15, 16 shots. It yeah. just happens, and so that's why I think our team's very good is because we have guys like Tyler that understand that, hey, a team's going to try to take me away. That means this guy and this guy and this guy are open. And so tonight I'll have a huge hockey assist in the game and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to be the guy that makes the play for the other guy. It's going to be me hitting that guy and that guy making the play. And so we're getting there as a team and he's the ultimate leader in that because, you know, he's so selfless when he's doing certain stuff. Coach, thank you so much for taking time <clears throat> today to come on the show to talk about the upstart Portland team. It's been very exciting to see how they've played this year. And I'm really looking forward to see how this team does the rest of the season. No problem, man. I like that sweater. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Got a rep for you. That's big time, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, I I love doing these things. I like to to put our team out there as much as possible. All right. That is going to do it for us today. Thanks again to Coach Shante Leggins for joining us today. And I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Enjoy a fantastic evening of college hoops, college basketball fans out there, and peace out.